The following has been brought to you by SJP World Media. Welcome to Away From The Pages, a book world podcast brought to you by SJP World Media, hosted by myself, Sharon Korea. And joining me on today's episode is the author that brought you, John Ver, Louise Murchie. How are you, my lovely? I am well, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So let's get straight into it, shall we? Oh, let's. So, who or what inspired you to write? Nice and simple lockdown. Um, There was... If I wasn't decorating, gardening, walking the dog, I suddenly had all these hours that I just couldn't fill any other way. I then tried to read. Libraries were shut. So the only reading I could do was via Amazon. And I discovered Kindle Unlimited. (laughs) That was it. That was it. I was gone. And I started reading. And I hadn't read, I hadn't picked up a book since before the kids were born. So that's double figures. <laughs> my, <laughs> eldest, my eldest is nearly 17. So it gives you a rough idea of when the last time I read a book. Yeah. So for the last two decades, I just hadn't read. Suddenly I got given hours of this time because we couldn't leave the house. You couldn't mm-hmm. do this. You couldn't do that. And I was, I was reading and I was kind of going, where are all the stories I used to write? I found one of them and I kind of polished it up and thought, yeah, I need to read some more. So I started reading some more, lots more. And then I just had ideas that just started forming in my head and they would not shift. And that was it. Gone Dutch was born. That's nice to hear that, like especially the, you know, writing something, reading it and going, okay, I need to read a bit more. That's good because that's a good self-evaluation. Yeah. My writing when I was um, 47 now, so writing when I was 27, 28, is vastly, I've experienced a lot more of life. I've mm-hmm. got very different viewpoints now from I had 20 years ago. Yeah. And it's kind of like, right, okay. Part of that idea, I remember that story, it's called Jigsaw. It was part of my newsletter freebie. It's got a 56K dial-up modem, which at the time, 20 years ago, was the rage. Now you've got devices that are more powerful in your palm than the computers we had when I was in college. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's frightening that kind of way. But no, I just kind of, this idea of Gone Dutch just wouldn't leave. Just would not leave. Brilliant. And why did you choose to write on along the lines of the smutty romance then um because nothing else was floating my boat <laughs> <laughs> that is a more than fair answer <laughs> yeah you um i don't do horror i'm one of these people because of the way my star signs are aligned and i understand myself to this extent if i read something like horror or true crime my psyche starts kicking in and i overanalyze and i think and then i don't sleep 
and I am an absolute grouch of a mama if I don't get sleep. (laughs) I can, I will quite happily be mama bear and I will growl and growl and growl. I have to have sleep. So I cannot do horror and true Mm. crime and that kind of stuff because I just don't shut down. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the smutty romances, I can go with all the smuts. I can go with all the dangerous side of it. Can't quite get into the some dark romance authors I can't touch. Okay. I just can't go. I just can't do it. But you give me something like Delta James, perfectly fine. I can do the BDSM stuff that she writes, not a problem. I can do all her shifter stuff, perfectly fine. Can't write it for love, cheese, and money. Mm-hmm. But if I'm writing my books, I can't read Deltas because okay. it, it influences what I'm writing. Yeah. And I don't do that genre any justice. So I can't touch Delta. If I'm writing, I can't touch Delta. Yeah. And Delta's been absolutely lovely. She's one of the one of the very most helpful authors when I was starting out two years ago. There, her and a couple of others. Just some pointers on how to do releases, what to look for, how to schedule things. Mm. She was, and still is. She's absolutely. Lovely. She just released her hundredth book. Why? She gave up writing. She gave up full time work and turned to full time writing. And it's basically she's she's knocking it out of the park. She's hitting home runs every damn book. And there are people in her group who are just, as soon as she says she's got a book coming out, that's it. It's on pre-order. Yeah. It's the pre-orders just go through the roof. And it's like, yeah, envious, very envious. I'll get there <laughs> one day. Something to aim for. But yeah, good on you. And she's to help that she's absolutely lovely as well. She's just an absolute darling. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how fast of a writer you are myself, horrifically slow, but do you ever sort of look at people like that and feel a bit almost disheartened by the fact that they're potentially pumping out books and sort of think, oh. Again, yes, I still have the imposter syndrome thing. I'm kind of thinking I'm not Delta. I'm not Jolie Vines. I'm not Katharina Mora. Three authors I happen to know and converse with. Delta Mm. more than the other two. But I then kind of part of, because of my the way the psyche the way my psyche works and it comes back again to not reading the horror and everything else is I'll kind of give myself a swift kick slap around the head and kick up the arse and kind of go right you're not them you're you yeah what do you do um gone dutch when I wrote it took me nine months then I marketed it realized I needed an editor created a series out of it thanks to Josephine Strand who was another lady who helped me out right at the start. But I've taken that entire Gone Dutch series down because it's getting re-edited. It is, I have dropped Gone Dutch itself was at 96K. She's now down to 93. Okay. So I've dropped 5,000 words out. It'll be going to an editor. The whole series will be going to an editor a bit later this year. Covers are already done. They're waiting, they're waiting to go. As soon as the books are done, that's it. But it's not going to—I'm not going to be launched that series till next year. I've had four books out this year. Right, that's impressive. Two, yeah, two last year, and three the year before that. So my first year out, I did three. Mm, that's that's impressive, though. I, I, I think that's—it's not too bad. I did. Yeah, my writing orders are atrocious, though. I wrote Gone Dutch, then I wrote Troditch, then I wrote Predicted, then I wrote Rebounds, then I wrote. Jomva and I wrote Jomva the day that Meta had their I started it the day that Meta had their DNS issues when suddenly there was no Meta there was no Facebook there was no WhatsApp 
there was no Instagram. Yeah. There was nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's like the world ended that day. <laughs> we suddenly went back to 1990. It was ace. But I woke up at like half past five that morning with the start of Jomba in my head. The DNS issue happened with Meta that night. And I started writing Jomba because I had no distractions. I had no more excuses. <laughs> Three days later, I had 20,000 words. Why? Yeah, it flew. And I was going to do John verse second and Troditch first. And I put it to my beta readers before I sent it to my editor. Because I'd found an editor by that point that I actually trusted and didn't actually, she didn't stifle my voice. I gave her the first de- the first chapter for Troditch and she sent it back. And I could see immediately the difference and the standards. It kind of went from down here at my waist to kind of up here at my throat. Mm. And I kind of like, there's a huge difference here. Right. Okay. That's She's mad said, that's it. <laughs> she's just, yeah. I'm just, I'm going to put her on retainer now. And my beta readers were getting it and they're kind of like, Lou, no, switch it around. Don't loop it the way you're planning to. Do it this way. Do it linear. And I hummed and hawed and kind of went, yeah, okay, fine. But I did. And out they went. And they had covers that were relevant to the storyline. Right. But the Scott Scalic titles through everyone nobody could find it nobody could pronounce it nobody could spell the damn word Mm. (laughs) and there's a few there are very few people that will go toe to toe with me because i tend to spit them up and chew them out but there are two people (laughs) there are two people in my author circle that will go toe to toe with me one of them is part of the publishing company that i'm my pa is affiliated with Okay. And Nick kind of went, Louise, we need to have a talk. And you're going to hate me for it. And I don't give a shit. And basically spelled out to me in plain English of this is why this isn't working. You should be getting better results than this. I know you should, but this is why you're not getting the goals that you've set. This is why you're not achieving your targets. And that was a hard conversation. Mm, Yeah, I can imagine. And... I'm grateful that he did. And then I did Brian Cohen's Amazon ads course. Yeah. And that just cemented everything that Nick had told me. Okay. And I kind of went, right, okay. This isn't just a baseball bat here. This is somebody with a cricket bat whacking me over the back of the head. Um, Okay, I'd better pay attention to this. So they've been slightly reformatted. The few errors that were there have now been resolved and they've got new covers and new subtitles. Right, okay. now the sales are trickling in, whereas before they were kind of elsered. They were frozen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's that's good. And it's good. There's layers to that. It's good that someone had the balls to tell you, first and foremost, because that's not an easy conversation to have. It's not an easy conversation to have with anyone, least of yeah. all across the Atlantic. Yeah, definitely. And the fact that, okay, you may not have said, you may not have finished that conversation and been like, oh, how wonderful. But the point is, you did listen and you took it in. It took me a couple of days to get wrapped my head around and accept what he was selling me. And I was like, nah, you're off your head, mate. Mm. And actually, no, he wasn't. I was the one that was off my head. I was when it was so far out. And you could understand my reluctance. But when I did Brian Cohen's Amazon ads course, 
I was kind of like, right, this is why your subtitle is important. This is why your keywords are important. And it's not keywords, it's key phrases. Yeah. When you set your book up on Amazon, everyone thinks, oh, it's keywords, so it's individual words. It's seven of them. No. Key phrases. Think of change the keywords to key phrases, and suddenly you've got 28 boxes that you can fill in. You can fill in contemporary small time romance in one box. Mm. You can do firefighters in another box. And I'm talking about the book that's coming out on the 5th of August. Um, so I've got all these contemporary, long distance, sweet with heat romance. And suddenly all these kind of tropes and genres and stuff that this book, ha this book nine, it will be, has, goes into that. And it's slowly starting to set it up now. Mm. Well, like you said, instead of having seven keywords, you've now got multiple. Yeah. And that's obviously hitting somewhere. Yeah, it's key phrases. So I went back in and checked the key phrases for both Jomva and Trodic. Um Jomva means defence, but the subtitle is Our Defender. So okay. when I did the subtitles, when I put the new subtitles in and put the new covers in, I did new bookstoread.com links to them using the new subtitles. Hmm. Because what's easier to remember? Our defender or genre when yeah. you don't remember how the hell to spell it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and again, when people search, it's it's it is the remembering thing, isn't it? And you want people to be able to search your subtitle and still find the book. Yes, or they can find the subtitles. There's two links. So there's books2read.com and there's oh, I can't remember what the other one is now. I can't remember. Um, but they both point to the same book. They both point to the Amazon. Mm. same Amazon ASIN so but I did books to read because my last one Storyteller that was originally going to be a newsletter piece okay um, and then I got approached by Nick and his authors to do the Love Unity Anthology in support of Ukraine yeah, and I, I was like that. I have the exact piece of work I want to put in for that so I got that finished off, edited, up. And when I got the rights back, with everything else that's been going on with Amazon, with it cancelling author accounts, mm. um, cancelling pre-orders, doing this, and the amount of author accounts I've seen cancelled just in April and May alone, it's been frightening. Yeah. And I thought, why have I got all my eggs in the basket? I keep chickens. I don't put all their eggs in a basket to bring them down from the yard. <laughs> So why am I doing it with my books? Yeah, that don't make sense. So with the Storyteller, I went wide. With the Gone Dutch series, it'll be going wide when it comes back up next year. Yeah, that's that's something that I've thought about myself because my book's in Kindle Unlimited. And more recently, the, the same reason, because of all the stuff we see on Amazon now... I have been swaying more and more towards, do you know what? I think I may just pull it and put it wide. Well, here's the thing. And I know this has happened to an author. She released her 17th book before it even been released in the States. It'd been taken off of her, taken off of Amazon and put on a pirate site in Russia. Oh yeah. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me even a little bit. I, I don't even want to look because it's that thing of, <sighs> Ignorance is bliss sometimes. Yeah. 
But if you're protecting your copyright, you can't. And then us Brits, we get the copyright by standard default anyway. Yeah. Um, Americans don't. They have to go through hoops to get it. Yeah. Canadians get it by standard. So do a number of other countries. But you still have to prove to Amazon that you filed the DMCA with the hosting company or with whoever it is that's hosting it to say, oi, that's mine. Take it down. Because this pirate site's in Russia... There's no copyright laws in Russia. So the, the answer from them is going to be middle finger. Well, yeah. But at least they can then go and prove to, hang on, I have done this. I've protected my work as best as I can, but it's got pirated in a com- country with no copyright laws. Mm. I can't do anything, not without a lawyer. And even then. Even then it doesn't they mean won't, much. No, the Russians don't give a monkeys. No. No, definitely not. So what is your writing process then? I mean, do you ever get stuck at a certain point, whether it's word count or something? Do you listen to music (laughs) or do you have a routine? And the reason why I'm cackling is, what's today's date? What day are we recording this on, Sharon? So this is the 26th of May. I'm trying to write two Christmas novels and I can't. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't feel like Christmas. It's not Christmassy enough. It's not Christmas enough. It's not cold. I'm not sitting here shivering the bits off. <laughs> I saw your paws then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to use other words, but yes. But it's just, it's just because it's nice and sunny it's been absolutely glorious here in the uk today it's been 19 yeah. 21 degrees sun's been splitting the trees my cyanosis has gone mad the bees are out and buzzing mm. and it's just like yeah i've done the best part of how many steps have i done today Seventeen thousand. yeah wow okay. i've been out i've been out walking today it hasn't felt like it's been a chore because the weather's been so glorious yeah this is not quite the time to be doing Christmas stuff, but I wanted two Christmas books out to follow on from the series I released earlier this year. I might you, not get it done in time. <laughs> you need to put up a Christmas tree somewhere and put Christmas music on and burn some, like, I don't know, whatever scent you normally have in the house at Christmas. Cinnamon and pine. Just see, oh, everyone has cinnamon. Oh, it's monster. Turn my stomach. <laughs> Fair enough. Don't give you apple pie made in this house then. I, I, I don't mind the taste of cinnamon, which I know is a bizarre thing to say. And I only found that out because this is pre-COVID. I had a really nasty cold and I couldn't smell anything. And we went out for like a Christmas brunch, me and some of my friends. And the drink, I was drinking it going, oh my God, this is lovely. And they all sort of looked at me and they was like, that is covered in cinnamon. But it tasted amazing. But I think it's because yeah. I couldn't smell it. <laughs> the link wasn't there, but I, it did. It tasted fantastic. So maybe if I just hold my nose, it'd be fine. <laughs> okay, fine. But I mean, is there obviously that's effectively an exception? But is there sort of a normal routine you have then? I usually, if I can't write, I'm usually reading. Okay, and I will go and I will pick up either a book I've read before to get me into the mood. Or I will just pick up something that's on my TBR list, which is longer than the height of me now, to be brutally honest. Are you really Um, a reader if your TBR list isn't taller than you, though? um, My 10-year-old daughter would argue that, yes, she is. 
because her books literally do not come to the height of her. Oh, okay. Physically don't come to the height of her and I'm not giving her a Kindle. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't blame you on that one. Yeah. If, if a child me. likes a book, give them books. Oh, she loves Holly Webb. So she has got so many Holly Webb books. It is unbelievable. That name rings a bell. What books does she write? Usually about animals. Oh, right. Okay. That's probably why then, because that's the type of stuff my youngest, my youngest is quite an avid reader and that's the type of stuff she'd read. And it was just very much a case of mum can have this book. Yeah, have it. Yeah, it's a book. Carry on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a book and it's in your genre and it's for your age group. Yes, fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, I've got three kids. My, my son does like reading, but that's mainly because when he was younger and got into trouble, we'd take his computer and his TV off him, but we never stopped him from reading because that's the one thing I said to my husband, I would never stop my child from reading. So when he's got nothing in his bedroom, he'd sit there and read. Yeah. And he always enjoyed it. But then, of course, as soon as they get the computer and the TV back, they're not interested oh, the anymore. Yeah. yeah, they're not. And my middle is just not really interested. It's not her thing, but she doesn't... Anything that takes longer than a TikTok video, she's not interested in. <laughs> yeah, I know about TikTok videos. That, that, it, that is literally her. She won't watch films because it's just too long. She's got to sit still for too long. And, too and it is literally, Yeah, it's literally, if it's longer than a TikTok video, she's not really interested and doesn't want to know. But yeah, my youngest loves reading and it's, it's great. And I think we should encourage kids to read more. I used to read to the boys. I used to read to all three of my kids when they were much younger, when they were babies. Mm. Um, my eldest has kind of shied away from it because he's doing his A-levels. Mm. The middle one will read. He likes, he's found a genre that's kind of um, anime, cartoon, novels, kind of like ink-it kind of things. So he okay. reads a chapter at a time. Um, but you'd much give him, happy to give him a chessboard. Oh, why? Okay. He's his key stage three school chess champion. Why? That's impressive. So he likes his chess. He's got very much a mathematical competitive mind, very much like my husband. <laughs> Not always and, a bad thing. And my daughter's very much like me. She is definitely a chip off the old block, that one. It's nice to have one, though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely have a variant. And the biggest child I have of all is the one I chose to marry. Yeah, same. <laughs> <laughs> I think every mother and every wife knows that story. Yeah, definitely. I don't think there's going to be any complaints over that one at all. No, I think there's going to be a lot of nods in the reply to that one. Yeah. So who is your instant one-click author then? And by one-click to anyone who doesn't understand the terminology, we basically mean um, as soon as it's released, you will buy it on in a digital format then, shall we say? Uh, I'll buy it in any format. Um, a few indies, um, N. June, Jolie Vines. Not so much some of the others that I had a couple of years back, but definitely Nat and definitely Jolie. Right, there's okay. a few other authors I'm slowly discovering because they're in my TBR list. I've got the books, they're in my TBR, but they've not become one clicks simply because I simply have not around to reading their work. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's it's difficult when you write as well, isn't it? Because sometimes, you know, as you said earlier, you don't necessarily want to read certain things because of what you're writing. Yeah. And I think sometimes for me personally, that can put me off reading. And one of the other things is when you get to know people, ironically, and I mean this in the sincerest way possible, but that can be off-putting too, because I'd worry that I really like you as a person. What if I read your book and I hate it? That's fine. You, 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 can hate, you can hate what somebody produces or not like what somebody produces and still be friends with the person that produced it. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. if anyone who says you can't be um, needs to get a reality check. See, this is the thing. My attitude is the exact same thing as yours. You don't have to like my stuff to like me and vice versa. Exactly. And you don't it, have to like me to like my stuff. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, no, I agree with that. It's like there's some of the other Sweet With Heat authors when I told them I was writing an MFM, which is genre. Um, I had one of the others come up to me, come send me a message going, I won't be reading that, Lou. And I'm like, that's fine. She's like, you're not angry with me. I'm like, no. Why not? Why should I be? Mm. Um, I thought you might be. I said, no. I said, if you want to read the second one, you don't have to read the first one to get the second one. You'd benefit from it because you'd see how the dynamic in that relationship works and why certain things happen the way they do with who they happen with. But mm. it's not essential. Yeah. You'll still be able to enjoy the second story. You don't have to have read the first. And if you don't want to read MFM because it's not something that sits comfortable with you, that's fine. I don't read mafias that have got rape in them because it just triggers me out. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And I think, see, I'm trying to think if I've ever found... I don't think I've ever found a trigger in that regard to characters so i don't mind like male 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 female female male none of that tends to bother me i don't tend to go for male male books though it's not a go-to for me personally but i can honestly say if i'm reading a series or if there's an author i love i'll always read it because i might yeah. finish it and think that wasn't my cup of tea there's a but... couple of there's a couple that have been written by melanie ann um and if it wasn't part of the series or the start of the series, where the start of the series it is male, male, if it wasn't the start of the series and hadn't been a spin-off from something else, I probably wouldn't have picked it up. Mm -hmm. But when I did pick it up, I enjoyed it. And it was hot. And it was like, God damn, I want to put this book down. It's sizzling. Yeah. And when I finished it, I was like, that was great. Not something I'd usually pick up. But mm -hmm. where's the rest of the series? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I get where their series has come from. I can see where so many other characters are from that series have come from. I need to read that series now. And suddenly my TBR suddenly got eight more books on it <laughs> because I've read this one that's not usually my thing. Nat June, um, her Beyond the Tide series, she's did a small novella, um, A Bridge to Beyond, which is male, male, because the two side characters, everyone wanted the two side character stories. So she did Ben and Raz. She created, she wrote the story for Ben and Raz. Because you'd seen those two side characters featured since book one in this series. Yeah. And you'd seen them together. And you'd seen from the other point of view, away from their relationship, some of the stuff that they must have gone through. Because it happened in the three stories. Mm. But how did these two deal with it? Are they still together? What happened? Yeah. 
We want to be in their head. We want to get in their head. Yeah. Um, and the ex, I'll tell you one of the ones, DL Howe, she's fast becoming, she's going to become a one click, I reckon. Um, the first one I ever read of DL Howe, of Debbie Howe's, um, was The Exhibitionist Christmas. And when I picked it up, I did not realize it was another male, male story. Right. I recognized that in about four pages in. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like my kind of book. <laughs> but, my kind, but by that point, I was kind of like, are you going to get your head out of your ass? I need to know you're going to get your head out of your ass. I'm carrying on reading. I went to bed at two o'clock that morning. I was not putting that book down until I'd realised whether or not this other character had gotten his head out of his ass. Yeah. And then when he did do what he did, I was kind of like, I was invested. I wanted to see it all the way through then. Yeah. That was it. I wanted to see it all the way through. Yeah. It's just that I started, so I'm going to finish. Not because I have to, but because I flip him I want to. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so that was... So DL House, and I read, um, I've read book four and book five of her series, and I kind of like, okay, I need to go back and read one, two, and three because the side characters from one, two, and three become side characters from four and five. I'm kind of like, okay, I need to, I yeah, I need to go back and do that and read need this. the refresh. I need to read it from the start and do the whole series all the way through, and it's kind of yeah. like, ah. Oh, Right, okay, here we go. Yeah, definitely. So I've read one, so I now I've got two and three to read, but I've got other books on the CBR and ARCs, and it's like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I was born with a reading list that I will never finish. Yeah, yeah, again, know that feeling. Mine, mine gets greater by the day because I'm just struggling to find time, which is stupid because going back, going back pre-COVID, to be fair, nothing would stop me from reading. You know, like my washing pile could be falling out the back door and I'd still carry on reading because it's that thing of this is my priority, which is not, I'm not saying that's a good thing, but the point is I always found the time to do everything. I seem to be struggling to find the time to read right now, which I said to my husband, I've got to make that a priority again. Yeah. And I think, again, as someone who writes, you need it. I also think as well, sometimes trying to force yourself into doing it, either writing or reading. When you do get down to it, you kind of think, this is a chore now. Yeah. I don't want to do it. So do it when the feeling takes you. If at the moment the feeling is that you tidy your house and you repaint that room, you carry on. Mm. Yeah, see, you can't say stuff like that to me, especially with writing, because I am like the ultimate procrastinator. But see, while I was, when I was redecorating the house, because you couldn't get a plaster during lockdown, mm. I took the wallpaper off my son's wall um, and some of the plaster had blown. So yeah. I couldn't get a plasterer in. I had to do it. I had to learn. So I phoned my plasterer and said, right, how do I do this? And he went, you want this and you want this. B&Q, I've got some coming in tomorrow morning at eight o'clock. I was up at B&Q the following morning, getting that bag of plaster, mixing it up like he told me the night before to replaster that bloody wall. And while that wall set for two days, I was down here writing. Yeah. That's, and again, that's that's me personally. It's an issue of prioritising. I always, yeah. I've got a bad habit of prioritising the wrong thing at the wrong time. <laughs> Welcome to everyone else's world, Shan. Yeah. And, Leo, you know, my husband sits there and he's like, for God's sakes, can't you just sit down and write? And he's like, I oh, will do in a minute. I'll get it done in a minute. Let me just do this. 
anyway sorry off yes, but no, yeah but i <laughs> i i would have to give myself time away from the computer if i looked at a blank screen my fingers wouldn't do anything yeah but when i was mixing up the plaster and putting it on the wall and doing this and priming that that's when my brain kind of went oh yes and you want to do this 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 and it's not mm. just stepping it out of my head and it's like right okay see all that stuff you were stepping into your head bring that out now and bang 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 my fingers dance across the keys my husband had to buy me a new laptop because i killed the last one oh my goodness it was old to begin with but i really killed it well at least you know you got your money's worth out of that one yes that thing's probably as old as my eldest and he's 17 <laughs> so is there a certain book of yours that has a special place in your heart Ditch. okay um the story of Annie. I wrote Troditch after I wrote Gone Dutch. So my writing order is very different from my published order. So I wrote Gone Dutch. Then I got told that writing books in a series is better. And I had this kind of military story type thing in my head. And I wrote Troditch. But I always knew that Troditch would have a companion. And I hadn't written it yet. So Troditch got parked up. But Annie deals with domestic violence victims. Okay. And during lockdown, I helped a friend in that situation. So some of the stuff mm. that Annie goes through, some of the stuff I ended up having to help out with. And then I learned that some of the women here in the Women's Aid circuit, Women's Aid charities, regardless of what county or province you're in, actually do what Annie does which is go into a domestic violence situation, extract the victim quickly, quietly, out the back door, with the bags or with uh, what they're standing up in. Them, mm -hmm. kids, whatever, dogs, gone. That's it. That's their job. That's their specialty. There are people out there that do it. A, that we need them is frightening. But B, yeah. that I've probably brushed shoulders with these women and I don't know them from Eve. Yeah. Frightening. Right, okay, so kudos to them. So I kind of became Annie at a couple of points during lockdown. Why, okay. Um, so that for me holds a bit more of a place, special place than anything else. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask what the inspiration for that is, but I think you sort of... I think I've just explained that really. Yeah, so that's pretty much covered, to be fair. So if you could... If you could go back or if you could talk to someone who started writing now, what advice would you give them or what would you have told yourself when you started? Learn how to market. Mm -hmm. It is the heart. You can write 90,000 word manuscripts. You can get them edited. Do your marketing. Get your covers on point. Get your subtitles on point. Get your key phrases on point. Get your marketing sorted out. It's a long haul. It's it's like a baseball game. It lasts for hours yeah. and hours. This is not a football game. This isn't a rugby game. This is a baseball game. And mm -hmm. I use baseball because baseball games can last for five or six hours. Rugby, yeah, that's 180. That's 40 minutes either way. So it's now it's 120. An hour and 20 minutes for a rugby game, yeah? I like yeah. it for half time and everything else. An hour and a half. Baseball is there for five or six hours. Mm. It's a long, long 
game. And you need to know your covers are on point. Here's the here's the really weird thing. TikTok is selling more books for me than anything else. And I'm not okay. selling a vast amount of the way some of the authors are. And kudos to them. I've just got a lot to learn. I need mm. to up my game. I really need to up my TikTok and marketing game. But one thing that TikTok has taught me is how to set up your marketing stall. Right, okay. So it's not just your marketing, it's your whole PR script. TikTok isn't just about come buy my book. TikTok is hooking people in, which you need to write for Amazon ads anyway. So you write your hooks. You entice people in. And it's like, hang on a minute. Why didn't anyone tell me this two years ago? I need to learn how to write hooks. You can write 90,000 word manuscripts. I can't write the blurbs on the back of them for love, cheese and money. That takes so much effort. I've had so many people help me on those. It's been unreal. Yeah. But the hooks, the you know, to get somebody in and enticed on six words. Never knew that two years ago. I was like, really? Book talk has taught me a lot. So mm. learn how to market. Learn what marketing is. Learn what your brand is. Develop it. Yes. And again, coming back to the keyword thing or key phrases, as you say, rightfully so, learn your keywords and phrases. Yes. Which you kind of, when you get first presented with the Amazon KDP upload page, and it's the same on Draft Digital as well, you kind of, you go, oh, because it says keywords. Mm -hmm. You put in seven different words. It's not keywords, it's key phrases. What trope is your book? Is it second chance? Is it contemporary? And contemporary just means modern day. So just do that with your categories. Don't put that as your keywords for the love of God. Yeah. Waste, waste a keyword phrase there. So, so not contemporary. So small town romance, firefighters, long distance relationship, friends, childhood friends to lovers, sweet with heat romance. There's five phrases. Mm -hmm. I've still got two more to go. Yeah. And I think the thing is, well, if you're unsure, uh, you know, if you're the author and you're thinking, oh, I'm not sure what category I should put it in, ask people who've read it or explain your idea to someone and see if they can help and you. And here was something else that, and this is just, and I think it was the right practice that taught me this. Pick your tropes first. So before you start with a blank document, when you're mapping it out, even if you don't map it out and you're a complete pantster, just get a little notebook. Write down the title of the book that you're working on, who your characters are, and then write down your tropes. Mm. And stick your story to those tropes. Don't deviate, don't pass go, don't collect 200, there's no getting agile card free. <laughs> yeah? If you're sticking with second chance romance and you suddenly switch to mafia, you've lost the plot. You're not selling what you've designed. Yeah. So right now, just, just even if it's just a visual reminder of this is what I want to write, I want to write a mafia romance. Therefore, it has to be, doesn't have to be dark, but it does have to be violent. It does have to have this. It does have to have that. Mm. Do your genre research. Do your trope research first. Then write and decide what you're going to have in your book before so that when you come back to your notes after a writer's block episode, mm -hmm you're not having to reread it and get the same writer's block because you've got it written down. Yeah. I think, I think that's actually a really, really intelligent idea because 
when you're writing and you'd know yourself, you know, sometimes something could take you months, even years to write. So it's good to have that reference point of going back and, you know, so that you don't deviate if you do forget something you've written. We've all done it where we repeat the same thing, read yeah. it again and go, damn, what to do that for? So I think, I'm a stupid Ben. What the hell did I write yeah, that for? Exactly. You think it's at two o'clock in the morning, you look at it the following morning, you think, what was I on? Yeah, exactly. So, so I actually think that's a really, really good idea to to, yeah, to so pick, pick your lane and stick in it. Basically, yeah, pick your yeah, basically yes, pick your lane and run the race. That brings me back to an analogy. Um, do you remember Sports Day at school? Yes. Yes. Right. Sports Day, one of the years, and it was before my GCSEs, and I, my team were going up against the other the other three. And I'd heard the captain of the other team, who was the same year as me, change round his relay order. Now, he's the fastest lad we've got in the school. Yeah, he's got legs longer than Usain Bolt. Yeah, and he's a long-distance runner as well, so he's kind of as tall as Usain Bolt and his endurance as Mo Farah. Running Mm. was this guy's thing. He He switched the order around. And I'd heard him organize this and I went back to my team and did the same and he came up to me and he said you ain't gonna win Lou and I said Lee I ain't planning on winning mate I'm planning on bringing my team in second I said the other two can get left in the dust I said you lead the way I'll follow up and I did and he went why'd you do that I said we're neck and neck our teams are neck and neck I didn't do it just for to emulate him I did it for the whole team thing. I worked out, I'd worked out that if we came second and he came first, he'd pull his team forward enough to level with where we'd be if we came in second. Right. And he's like, you cheeky snipe. Yeah. <laughs> and I just got <laughs> nah. to my grid and just walked away. Yeah. And the two the two teams, that's it. The competition was on between the two teams for the rest of the match, for the rest mm. of the sports day, because I'd he'd bought his level, but I'd made sure that he didn't go ahead yeah and he just called me a sneaky bitch to start with (laughs) (laughs) and i just kind of smirked and just kind of went yep and that's that's not that's not sneaky that's clever yeah that was being clever definitely just because somebody else even if somebody else can do something better than you doesn't mean that you can't either emulate it or copy it or do it your way yeah definitely Definitely. I 100% agree with that. So what inspires your covers then? Is there a process you go through? Is it character driven or is it just? Oh, God, I hate designing covers. I know everyone (laughs) kind of goes, oh, I love doing the cover designing. Yeah, I like lots of pretty pictures. Doesn't mean they're going to sell the damn books. Yeah. Um, Trudich and genre were the hardest two because I've recently had to go back through for that for a number of different reasons, which I enlightened you on earlier on. But when I was designing these, and I didn't design them, I had another British author, um, L. Hope. Lou came and she went, I can give you a hand with these, Lou. And I'm like, yes, please, <laughs> please. Um, and she's like, right, these are your current covers. What do you like about them? I like the red dress. The red dress and the red dress thing is actually 
quite a key point in the book. Okay. But the book does not say it's MFM. It doesn't even imply it's multi-partner or why choose. And she's like, right, okay. Where does that red dress come in? So I told her about the the end scene and stuff that when I saw the first cover, what inspired that whole showdown scene. So I told Lou about the showdown scene. And she's like, yep, I can work with that. Right. So she came up with the, not just the concept, but she came up with the whole idea. And I was like, oh, my God, that is amazing. That is so cool. Yes, yes. And she kept the redness of it, which I wanted. Mm. But she put the two guys in tuxes in with the one with the red dress. So right. you see Blythe in the red dress, but you see Blythe back, not the front. But you see the two guys in the tuxes facing you, which you didn't before. All you saw was her in the smoky environment as part of the showdown scene, but it wasn't relevant to the book. Uh-huh. It was relevant to the book, but wasn't enough to hook you in. And this is what people need to understand about book covers. They say not to judge a book by its cover, unless you're a book. <laughs> you need to judge a book by its cover. And it's the one thing you actually do need to pay attention to. Yeah, I agree. Um, and that took a long time to kind of filter into my thick head. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm a stubborn Scot and I will not change my love of cheese and money. <laughs> it takes a lot of whiskey to get me to change my mind. <laughs> a lot of whiskey. Providing it's not Bells, I'm fine. Um, and then with Troditch, she did something and the first reaction back was, this is a sports romance. It's like, right. no. Okay, that's completely not what I'm after. Right, okay, that idea has to be scrapped. It's what I wanted, but it's not on point. It's not delivering your message. It's not delivering the message. I have to come back. And Lou said, can I suggest something? And I went, yeah. And she came back with an idea. And we went searching through Shutterstock. I literally gave her about 20 images of things that would kind of work. And she came back and she went, instead of all this, what about this one? And she mocked it up. And I was like, we're getting there. Hmm. Yes. Actually, yeah. Going at the first dancing, that's when she meets, properly meets Tony. And the first time he acknowledges her is at a nightclub and she is wearing a black sparkly Hmm little black dress right and he's dressed up nice he's not dressed in a suit not the one that she cut off him to stitch him back up but he's dressed up nice he's just an expensive shirt and a pair of nice trousers or as americans call them pants no mm. pants are your underwear darling you put them against your ass <laughs> agreed yeah (laughs) yes um i've been having lots of fun with my next book on the whole american british thing um i made a point between my two characters actually to have this whole same word different side of the pond conversation yeah um but coming back to the covers it's kind of like right does this go on point yes it's part of the it's the first dancing it's the first time they're in a nightclub that he part owns so, yes, it's on point as far as story artwork it works. And you put the two of them side by side and you can just see that, yes. I mean, Aura did an absolutely stunning job with the first lot. 
but they weren't selling the books and they weren't on point. Yeah. These covers are. And you've that's the one thing about covers is you've got to make sure they're on point and they've got to sell your book and mm -hmm. they've got to tell people what they are before they open up the cover, before they turn their book over and see the back, yeah. copy, back page. Yeah, I agree. Because if you see, it, it's a bugbear of mine when you get a cover and you know that cover hooks you in enough to buy the book. I'm not a big blurb reader. I'm not going to lie. I it doesn't bother me so much I, I do tend to look at a cover and then sometimes I'll go and read reviews bad reviews don't put me off they more encourage me if I'm honest but I'm, waiting on my, I'm waiting on a one-star review that goes this actually one of and it wasn't a bad review but she did give me something I could use um when she went into reading genre she didn't realize it was mfm right didn't realize it was why choose because the cover didn't hint. Mm. She thought it was paranormal. Okay. Which, again, I was kind of like, no, it's not paranormal. Shh. All right. Okay. 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 I get the message. All right. I've had enough. I've had it repeated back to me. Universe, I paid attention. Okay. I pay attention. Um, but by the time she'd realized it was MFM, she was 11 chapters in and hooked. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Well, she's not necessarily a bad thing, but she called it Action Adventure Meets Fifty Shades. Okay. And if you're listening, Jay, thank you, because I've sailed on that hook for two weeks. And I swear that hook sold me a couple of books. But that's, because, that's brilliant. Yeah, it's better. Than, it was be much better than a one-star review. I was kind of like, Action Adventure Meets Fifty Shades? Yes, please. I'll have some love of that. that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll use that. Thank you. Um, and there are people who have read my books kind of going, why wasn't that five stars? I can get why she didn't give it five stars because she wasn't expecting it to be a white shoe genre. It wouldn't yeah. have been something she'd normally have picked up, but because it was me, she did. I think five-star reviews are a funny thing. And I don't say this as someone who who has got a book out there who can be, be critiqued, but I say this from my point of view as a reader, I very rarely give five stars because five stars to me basically says this book is absolute perfection. And I'm not saying I haven't given five stars. Of course I have. But I very much see a four-star review as a positive thing. A four-star is kind of realistic, Um for me, a five-star basically means I couldn't put it the hell down. Yeah. If I couldn't put it down, five stars. Mm -hmm. There's one I'm arcing at the moment, and I'm supposed to have finished, but my apprehension levels on it are through the roof, and I don't want to finish the story because I don't want to... I know there's a pivotal point coming, and I don't want to get to it. Yeah. You want to but just keep going for a bit. I want to keep going for a bit. So I've I've got to get over. I've got to build a bridge and get over it. It's my bridge mm -hmm. to go and cross over. Um, but it's my apprehension. But my apps, my apprehension levels for this are through the roof because I know how this author writes. I know there's going to be another kicker coming mm. because she's following the three the three act, the three act rule. Again, another thing that the right practice help you plan out. If you're a planner, go and have a look at the right practice. They give you lots of free resources, as does Alessandra Torres. Mm -hmm. um, so 
you know, go and have a look, but I know that I know that twist is coming. I know it's coming and I don't want to get to it, but I've got to finish. (laughs) (laughs) See, I've been, this is going slightly off, but same sort of thing. I was actually kicked off an ARC team. Um, An ARC, for anyone who doesn't know, is either, everyone says it differently, either advanced readers copy or advanced review copy. Yeah. Um, But I got kicked off an ARC team because I gave her a three-star review. Now, I was a bit annoyed at that for two reasons, because it's like, well, hang on. You very much stated you wanted honest reviews. I've given you my honest review. If you'd given me a three-star review, my question would be, okay, why three-star? Where did I fuck up? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And do you know what the worst thing about that is? And this wasn't bitterness before you think that. I was actually a part of her beta team just like prior to getting the arc. And so I was involved in the process, I think up until about chapter 15, she got a bit of negative feedback off someone. And then she effectively just shut everyone down, wrote the book and then just said, Oh yeah, here's the arc, which was a bit like, Oh, okay, fine. Whatever. Each their own, not going to criticize that. It's a bit like Nick telling me that my stuff wasn't on point. It's a hard conversation to have, but are you adult enough to take the criticisms on board? Is it justified? Is it correct? Is mm-hmm. it factual? And is it realistic? And if it's all of those things, why the hell are you burying your head in the sand for someone to go and kick your ass later on? My argument, and again, now that I'm at the other side, because when I was doing this, I was just a reader. So it's not like I, it's not like I critiqued because I know better, not that I ever would, but it's that thing of, now that I am the other side, I look at it and think, if I gave you either a beta, arc, whatever, and you come back to me and you said, look, straight up, I've got to give you a three star for this, I'd be exactly the same as you. Where did I go wrong? Help yeah. me improve. Because without that criticism, I will never get better. Yeah. It's like at the moment I've got another book going out as part of a series that's a multi-author shared world. Okay. And... I've got another person from that shared world double checking the timeline of my book because I know I've had to rejig the timeline Yeah. because I missed the huge timeline change that happened back in March. So I've had to go back through my story after editing to check it. So I've Mm. got two other readers from the same group going, do me a favor, just double check the story arc, double check that everything happens in the order that it needs to. And I haven't repeated these scenes because I've moved them. I haven't done this and I haven't done that. Yeah. And I'm yeah. going back through the PDF formatted copy again, just praying I haven't missed anything fundamental. But yeah, yeah. But if, you'd, if you'd given me three stars and I'd gone, Sharon, why? Why did I mess up? And you told me that I'd messed up a huge piece in chapter nine. It's like in my the, the book that's coming out, it's called Relight My Fire. I rewrote chapter eight, completely rewrote chapter eight. And then I had to go through it five times to make sure that it settled in. Yeah. Storyline, art, timeline with the uh, with the chapters before and after it and everything after. Because chapter eight is where I set up all, because it's firehouse based, it's all the, it's all the shift patterns, it's all the rotations, it's all the kick stuff. It's everything fundamental to the rest of the story hinges in chapter eight. And if I've screwed it up, nothing else is going to make damn bit of sense. Mm. So chapter eight got seriously rewritten 
And uh, so you said to me, you know, you've messed this up or you've done this and you've done that. And I'm kind of going, right, okay. That's what the art copy's for. I'll change that. I'll rejig it. And it can go out perfect. Yeah. I mean, I can I can literally tell you where she went wrong. Now, I'm not going to name names. If you've read the book, you'll know what I'm talking about. Probably I mean, not. There's that many indie authors out there. that I'm Exactly. <laughs> That's why I'm not afraid to talk about it, because it's that thing of you'll only know if you know. And if but, you don't, you don't. You don't need exactly. to worry about it. But she, you know, the, the characters, as they do, they get together, whatever. That's all fine. And it was towards the end. And... You know, it was it was quite a. She was quite submissive. He was quite dominant, and he was, you know, the proper alpha man. He's like, I'm going to impregnate you. Fine, she gets pregnant, and then two months later, he's like, I'm going to get you pregnant again. And I was like, okay. Oh look, he gets her pregnant again. Now I googled this because I, although it's fiction, you've got to lay in line with fact as well. So yeah, I googled I don't it. Think you physically can. That's you actually impossible. can. So this. So my initial reaction was like, "This is stupid. Don't be so ridiculous." Googled it. It can happen. You can actually still ovulate and technically get pregnant twice. So I thought, okay, I'll shut my mouth then because this can happen. Where I had issue is where she gave birth to the full term baby but then shut up shop and carried the other one for another two months. And I was like, right, I don't need to Google that. That would not happen because it's that thing of, well, once you're giving birth, your body doesn't say, right, that's the one, push that one out and we'll, we'll, we'll hold the other one back for you for another two months. Yeah. I don't think that's biologically possible. It's not. I did Google it because it's that thing of, I just want to be sure. Cause I didn't think you could get pregnant twice. So I just wanted like, absolutely no once you're in labor you're in labor end of and that both of them will come out because the womb has to contract the room just doesn't stop contracting understanding that one child is two months behind the other one but that's the thing as well it's like how would you know you're giving birth to the right one as well how would your body know that you know and there's there's so many i mean she went off on the story a bit as well and that's why i marked it down to a three star and it's that thing of rather than contacting me and doing, like you said, contacting me and saying, why have you only done this? Which I would have happily responded with, this is not physically possible. She just booted me out and was done with me. And I thought, that's fine. That's fine. I'm not going <laughs> to, ironically, now that I'm doing this, I'm not going to moan about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. But if I knew when my art team kind of comes back and gives me a three star, I'm kind of like, Okay, I need to know why. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with questioning it because, again, how will you ever grow? Yeah, it's like people saying it just wasn't for me. It was like there was this one person that came on board and I said hi to them and I went and checked out their Instagram profile. There's not a single Sweet With Heat book in their profile at all. Right. It was all dark mafia romance, dark romances, reverse harems, I'm kind of like, I messaged them in the group going, you do realise this book is not any of the tropes and stuff that you're posting about. Are you sure you've signed up, you've signed up for the right thing? Because I don't want to give you a book for a genre that you're not enjoying or posting about or shouting out about. Yeah. Because this is so far away from what you're posting about. It's unreal. I just want to make sure that you're okay, that you actually understand this. Yeah. And apparently that was aggressive and they left. Oh, what? And I was like, okay. 
no, I need to make sure that when I give you the art copy and it's in these tropes and genres, you're not expecting something that's dark romance because you're not going to get it from me. Yeah. And you you're were doing the right thing. You were going to get smutty. You're going to get slightly angsty. You're going to get some form of Scottishness in there some way, somehow. But you're not going to get dark romance. And I've already done a why choose trope. I don't want to necessarily go back into that. Again, one of the Christmas ones will be and why choose um but yeah just the tropes that you're posting about are all dark romance just it's like chalk and cheese they like yeah. it's like blonde and brunette completely different mm-hmm. i could yeah. change the whole character of somebody's look just by changing the color of the hair it's like yeah no come on are you sure you've signed up for the right arc here and that's it and you've got to protect yourself because however much you want honesty which of course we do you still don't want to give the book to someone who has shown no prior interest in it. Yeah. Because you said, yeah, this lady who said, um, action adventure meets 50 shades. If she'd realized it was MFM, she wouldn't have picked it up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But because it looked paranormal and she judged the book by its cover. <laughs> yeah. Who'd have thought you judge books by their covers? Um, but she still enjoyed it. I still got a four star review, yeah. which is still fairly decent. Um, I'm not going to complain about that at all, but it was one of the other things that cemented my mind that, okay, I really need to look at the covers on these two. Yeah. If you look at the covers for Jomba and Troditch are very different from the covers for Time After Time and um, Three Colors. Yeah, I did note. I did completely notice that when I went through your catalogue and I thought, well, the covers are so different. different. Yeah. The cover... Um, Jomba and Troditch are basically classed as romantic suspense, mm. um, which is a very different genre from where the Soul Song duology comes in. They're far more sweet with heat. And while there's still angst and there's a violent assault against one of the characters in True Colours, which you kind of see the other side of in Time After Time, it's not as dark graphic as it is in John and Troditch. Mm-hmm. So very different genres. And the covers are on point for um, Time After Time and True Colours. Yeah. Claire, Claire, did me, Claire did me an absolute solid with those two. She's done an absolutely brilliant job with the Gone Dutch series. I was loving where that's going to come in. Oh, that's um, good. So... Because, again, it's, it's nice to be passionate about your words, but it's also nice to be passionate about the cover too. Yeah, well, she showed me the first cover, and I went, you know, we had this idea for this. And she went, yeah. I said, forget that. And she went, <laughs> I was about to say exactly the same thing. Can we forget it and just stick with this thing? I said, yes. Let's just change the couples, keep the words the same, keep the words on the same format, change the titles as we agreed, but keep the covers and the colours and that particular theme going, but just change the couples in it. And she did, and she came back, and literally two hours later, we were done. We had mm. the ebooks, and I was like, oh, "Thank God for that." Um, so I'm just waiting to get them edited now, but I'm waiting on a slot with my editor to get them done. Yeah, but they will they will definitely be next year, and they will be going wide. I am not putting them back in through Ku. I need to not put all eggs in the same basket. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. So what do you do for fun then? Like how, when you do have a free moment, what do you do <laughs> to relax or have fun? Um, to relax, I garden. I take okay. a trowel, I take the hand trowel or the spade. 
all alone, alone more and just basically I garden. I do something physical. I love the smell of grass when it's been cut. I love the smell of petrichor when it's been raining. It does something really weird and settles me. Yeah. But then again, I am kind of a witch, so that doesn't really surprise me in any way. <laughs> um, but yes, I will quite happily sit out in the garden and just chill. But I will quite happily also go have a hand trowel in my hand and cut down flowers. I've got a fence to replace, which will get started to get done tomorrow. I need to go and get some post supports and get those in the ground and then some posts. <laughs> So have you got um, like any favourite TV programmes, whether it be favourite just because you love it or potentially favourite because you find it as some form of inspiration for your work? I don't have time for TV. <laughs> I really don't. If I'm not writing and reading, I am out in the garden. I'm in the greenhouse tending to my plants because I love growing my own food. I love growing tomatoes and cucumbers. I love growing my own herbs. You can definitely tell I take a leaf out of the practical magic genre um, by walking through my garden gate. Right, okay. Yeah. So, yes, definitely a witch, not just by choice, but by birth as well. Um, so I'm definitely, I don't have much time for television. That's fair. Can't argue with that. So going on to social media, what do you personally think are the pros and cons of social media in this industry? Social media isn't all that social. Mm -hmm. Agreed. <laughs> social media is not all that social. Um, social media is basically in this industry is a shop front for what and who you are. Mm. Or who oh. you want people to think you are. That's, right. That's my ginger boy. Hello. Hello, kitty cat. I, uh, I can hear him from here. Um, yeah, so setting up social media. But one of the things I love doing is talking with people. I'm yeah. quite happy to talk with a trowel in my hand and a nice glass of wine, as you can see from our <laughs> video conversation. Yeah. Um, I, I'd much rather do that. I'd much rather have a chat with a small group of people than I would in a room full but you put me on stage and talking about something I'm passionate about and I'm away yeah yeah I think that's why um like going to book sign-ins that's something I really enjoy because it's like-minded people you don't have to read yeah. the same genre but you're there for the same reason what's, what's your sort of thoughts on book sign-ins personally I mean have you done many yourself um, Sugar and Spice will be my first. Okay. Um, so first as an author, I have been to two others as a reader. Okay. And I have met some wonderful, wonderful people. Yeah, yeah. That's... But a lot of them happen on the wrong side of the pond and I can't afford to go. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's different, isn't it? Because when you meet someone face-to-face -to, -face, to then become message friends for once for better term at yeah. least you have met them so there's context for conversations yes not saying there's anything wrong with meeting and talking to people online but i think at least if you've met someone face to face i mean the thing i personally struggle with is i have got serious resting bitch face and people always think i'm angry 
just because of the way my face falls. I'm not. I'm actually quite a social. If my person. mouth doesn't say it. My face sure as hell will. Well, this is the problem. Sometimes my face talks when I don't want it to. <laughs> yeah, I know the feeling. It's like, yes, I'm pissed off, but I'm not anything to do with anything in this room. It's because of the message my husband's just sent me and the yeah. biggest child needs to grow and have his nappies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it, I, I, I would much prefer to meet people face to face. But it's like I said, if I'm not smiling, people think I'm miserable. And that's okay, because most of the time I probably am. And I'm just happy sat there on my own. <laughs> Stop talking my language. But book signings, it is one of those places that I think, to be fair, you could probably look as miserable as sin and someone will strike up a conversation with you. Uh, yeah, if it's not the author sat next to you, it's one of the others across the way asking, you're right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it... Like for me personally, it is like it's like a happy place. Yes, you know, as, as a reader to walk around and just it, even something as stupid. And this sounds ridiculous, but hopefully you'll get this one. So sometimes when you first walk into a book signing and there's a certain smell, and I never knew what it was, but there's this certain smell that I'd be like, oh yeah, this reminds me of a book signing. I have since discovered what the smell is. It's the smell of new pens. <gasps> I know that smell. Yeah. And that, the smell of new pens reminds yeah, me of book like signings. New pens and fresh ink. Yeah. Fountain pens. It's just, it. yeah. It's ridiculous to people who haven't been and don't understand. It's a ridiculous thing to say. But when you've been and when you smell a fresh box of pens, it's just. It's just, it almost feels like home. It does. And it's, it's just a beautiful... Catch up, with me. Catch up with me at Sugar and Spice. I've got a small present for you. Oh, okay. Well, same. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at table... I can't remember what table number I am. I know I'm 38. I think I'm 46. See, I'm either behind you or in front of you. No, if I, I did, well, as soon as it went live, I did look at it all, to be fair. And I, I'm pretty sure, so I'm pretty sure you're sort of behind me to the right. Okay, in which case we shouldn't be too far away from each other to throw things at each other. No, then. absolutely not. <laughs> I'm going to take as many soft things as I can so I can just be thrown over my shoulder. <laughs> fair enough. Yes. No, I've, I've got a small present for you then. Oh, brilliant. That's amazing. Thank you. So last question, which is probably going to seem quite random. If you could co-write a book with anyone, who would it be? Or would you even want to? That's the next bit. I would. And I would love to do. There's two authors I would have at the very, just, it's a very short list and there's only two people on it. Fair. Nat June and Jolie Vines. Nat because I absolutely adore that woman she's been with me as part of my beta reading team since oh predicted and it was thanks to Nat that kind of turned around and said what have you been reading Lou why because you've got all this BDSM stuff in here and it doesn't fit <laughs> and that's kind of like yeah Lou take this shit out it doesn't fit the story darling and you're like Okay, sorry, mum. But yeah, Nat will turn around and tell me, you know, this doesn't fit. This isn't right. So I would trust Nat 
and I would happily co-write something with that if she was mm. even so much as inclinated, but she isn't. Um, but Julie Vines, for sure, I would love to, partly because she also, she's one of the reasons why, when I found her, she was writing um, the first of what is now four series. Yeah, the fourth one she's just writing at the minute, of Highland Scots. Oh, okay. And there are very, very, very few authors that write about Scotland hmm. or write with Scottish characters. There's a few others that I've found since, but Jolie was my first, and I absolutely fell in love with one of her characters, Lennox McVeigh. Okay. And when I fell in love with Knox, oh, God, the cover is just to die for. It's like I could lick. Yeah, he's about 20 years too young for me to start with. But man, I'm a perimenopausal woman with my sex drive right through the roof. I'd quite <laughs> happily give that boy, I'd wear that boy out. I'd quite happily wear that boy out. Um, but I started reading his book, realised that actually that's the start of series two. Okay. Where's series one? And I went back to series one. And I actually messaged her after the first one and went, there's not enough Scottish slang in here. And she went, I've got to write for the American market. I can't put too much in because they won't understand the bloody word you lot say. Mm. <laughs> and she's a Bristolian, but she's married to a Scots. Right, okay. So she's got the knowledge. She knows exactly how we speak. She knows exactly how we take the mickey out of each other. And she knows exactly how we just, we would drop everything and raise hell if one of our own that we love and call family are yeah. in trouble. We will bring hell on fire. Not a problem. Um, but in the meantime, we will quite happily take the mickey out of you till kingdom come. Oh, yeah, yeah. Say the, probably the most vilest things on the planet, but with love. <laughs> with love, yes, exactly. We mean it with love. Um, but there's no other authors, very few authors actually get that. Yeah. Um, and when she explained that to me, I was kind of like, actually, yeah, you know what? The Americans wouldn't get it. They really wouldn't. They don't get a lot of it. And this has been part of the problem I've had with Relight My Fire because she's Scottish. He's American. Right. I've had this whole... I've had to go back to a number of the American authors in the shared world and go, can somebody sadly to check my Americanisms, please? <laughs> Have I got these on point? Yeah. And one of the authors came back and she went, nah, you ain't got this right. You need to have it this way. And I'm like, okay, fine, change it. Mm. Change it to how it should be because I ain't got clue. Change it to how it should be because we've set this whole thing of Piper Falls in Texas. And I haven't got a damn clue about Texans. Yeah. I really don't. My knowledge of Texans evolves from Dallas and Alexis Colby. <laughs> that, goes, that goes right the way back to 1983. So, you know, that's my knowledge of, of Texans. Hmm. Um, so I've had to have a couple of Americans who are in Texas kind of going yeah can somebody send to check this make sure this Brit's got it right especially because this is this is his point of view therefore it has to be more of the American point of view and the American spelling and I've hated my poor Google documents thinks what fucking language are you writing in <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. one chapter in British English and the next chapter I'm American <laughs> yep. because my characters are so diverse I've had to change the writing words and spellings and punctuation to match. Yeah. And somebody else has gone, how the hell have you coped? And I went, 
<laughs> there is a reason I am grey in hair colour. <laughs> There's a reason why I dye my hair, and it's partly because of writing these books. Yeah. Not the fact that I'm a married woman, and my biggest child is my husband, and I've got three kids. Both both my boys play rugby, and therefore I'm a rugby mum with a first aid qualification working for um, working in an altruistic career. But, yeah, I'm writing Americanisms. So there we go. It's not like the whole document is set in America. No, it happens in Texas, but she's very much a Scot. Mm. Oh, see, I, oh, well, just saying what you said about the rugby. I grew up in a rugby club, effectively. So <laughs> you weren't you weren't raised in a rugby club. You were dragged up, kicking yep. a, with a rugby ball in your hands. Who just thought? Yeah. I'm from Gloucester. So. I would say you're not that far south. You're not that far different from me. Yeah, you see, just so. It's always got to be Gloucester, hasn't it? Because, you know, at least one of our teams, the rugby team, is a half-decent team. But yeah, yeah. Gloucester rugby team is actually quite decent. Yeah. N- not compared to the football team. We don't talk about them. No, we don't um, talk about football. <laughs> but, see, about yeah, that's, that's the funny thing, because I was I was brought up in a rugby club. My, my stepdad is huge. He used to play rugby. We watch rugby all the time together. Yeah got with my husband who is all football oh, so <laughs> i've kind of i've kind of i do i do watch a bit and of he supports manu he does yeah because that message i sent you when i said united and you're like hang on which one <laughs> <laughs> yeah asks the only one that's not the villain in the house <laughs> I'm, very, I'm the only celtic supporter in the house it's like yeah everyone else in the house is a villain not me <laughs> yeah, that makes sense you can't argue that exactly. i mean Luckily for my husband, more so than me, when we got together, I had no allegiance to any club. I didn't care enough, if I'm completely honest. But I don't get Scottish football down here. No. But he, I knew getting with my husband, I mean, we've been together 15 years now, but I knew getting with him, he was an avid football supporter. So I sort of made the decision, right, you either fight against it or you accept it. And I thought, you know what? <sighs> Provided we can accept the rugby, who cares? Well, and he does. He's not, he doesn't like rugby at all. It's not his thing. And over the years, because I always watch internationals, that's never, you know, in our house, if it's an international, it's on. (laughs) Well, I was away on rugby tour with my eldest in Wales from an English team who were, Ireland were playing against England. Right. And we were in Wales. That's such a wonderful concoction. <laughs> and Scotland had played the match before. <laughs> so oh I spent God. the entire day either glued to the big drop screen or watching my son play. Yeah. So it was just complete rugby the entire weekend. And when we got mm. back on the coach, I was kind of like, yeah, can we just go sleep now, please? Yeah. <laughs> I've had enough. I am rugby out. I never thought I would ever be rugby out, but I was rugby out on tour. Yeah, I can imagine. See, it's like I said, I've just I've drifted away from it because because of my husband being so football and the rugby, it was a thing that, that me and my dad did. Do you know what I mean? Like I'd watch the rugby with him, I'd watch local rugby with him. So when I moved out, it was almost that thing of it never felt the same because I wasn't sat with my dad. Yeah, no, but the reason why you enjoyed watching the rugby is because it was a connection with your dad. One hundred percent. And when you, even though you were watching it on your own, it wasn't there because the connection to it was missing. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. And that's 
obviously you don't see that at the time, but I know that now at the age yeah. I'm at, it, it 100% was the connection to my dad because my my dad is a man of very few words. I mean, it's a bit different now. Again, I'm older now. I get away with a lot more than I used to when I was a kid. So our relationship sure is different. <laughs> no, I really do. My mum, the dynamic between, I'd say my dad, I mean my stepdad, but I refer, I always refer to him as dad. The relationship between me and him now, we are closer now than we have ever been. So up until I was 16, we had no relationship. When I turned 16, we had to go for a weekend away together working. And that's when we started forming our bond. And we drive my mum mad now because she'll sit there. I am 40, I'm nearly 42 years old and she'll sit there and go, he spoils you. It's like, I'm 47. Carry on, mate. No, but I sit there and I'm like, it's about bloody time, isn't it? I've waited 40 odd years for this, but time he spoiled me. Yeah, I've been waiting since I was 16. Exactly. But um, but no, but that's, I think that's the thing for me. I mean, if you said to my husband, put on rugby, I think he'd either choose rugby league or he'd watch wheelchair rugby because he really enjoyed the wheelchair rugby when it was on. And it's really frightening because wheelchair rugby was actually brutal. It, it is. It is properly brutal. <laughs> It is the it's last. like they really do not give any flying Fs no. in any way, shape or form. They're in wheelchairs already. There's, they know there's nothing they can do that's going to make them any worse. So they go hell for leather and they yeah. have got no boundaries. And it's like, okay, you're totally brutal. Yeah. Yeah. I but watched no. one game and kind of went, okay, never again. <laughs> we we watched a good chunk of the World Cup that was on because he was enjoying it. So it's that thing of, well, I don't want to stop him because he's enjoying it. It's rugby. It's not quite the rugby I'm used to watching, but it's for, I'll, I'll just let him carry on. Yeah, car- let him carry on and enjoy it. Yeah, but I think it's because he's going soft in his old age, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking the fifth on that. I don't know the man. <laughs> I'm going to myself. I don't need your help, woman. Yeah, that's it. Well, you'll meet him. <laughs> you'll meet him in three weeks anyway. Is it three so, weeks? Yeah, three. I know. Someone said it earlier and I was like, what? Okay, I don't yeah, think I'm ready. God. No, I don't think I'm ready. In fact, I know I'm not ready because I can't get the swag bags. I can't find something to um, seal the sweetie bags with. I'm going to have to borrow some of my daughter's... Um, do you remember those little elastic band things you can make little wristbands out of? Loom bands. Yes. I've got hundreds and thousands of loom bands. I'm going to have to borrow those, of those and tie the bags up with them. Yeah, do that. Right, so thank you so much, Lou, for joining me. Um, yeah, thank you for asking. That's no problem at all. Where can everyone find you on social media or your books? Right. Most of my books are on KU, apart from The Storyteller. But if you find me on either LinkedIn. On, yeah, I'm not LinkedIn. No, Linktree. That's it. I knew I'd get that messed up somehow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so Linktree, Louise Murchie. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. Oh, crikey. Where am I not? Um, but basic way to basic place to find me is louisemurchie.com. Start with the website and work your way up from there. <laughs> work it all out from there. <laughs> yeah, everything's on the website. So I've got all the books listed on the website. I've got all the social media listed on the website. So all the books, they're all set into the tropes and the genres and the series and everything else. So if you don't like 
the romantic suspense you can start with time after time and if you do like your Y true genre um and your slightly darker stuff then go for the tango dan duet brilliant that's brilliant but yeah again thank you thank you it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today oh you're an absolute darling thank you no problem at all and I'm looking thank- forward to meeting you in sheffield as well now <laughs> same <laughs> Especially because we'll be like a row behind each other. We're going, Oi, Sharon, fast the foot. Oi, Lou, you're a fat bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's brilliant. I'm so glad you got the same sense of humour as me. <laughs> oh, yes, very much, very much. So, thank you, everyone, for listening to Away from the Pages with myself, Sharon Korea, and Louise Murchie. Um, join us next time here on SJP World Media. Thank you.